Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. Uh, and I'm joined by two guys who never hold the ball too long. What's up, fucking Gene? <laughs> so many places to go with that. So many places I really don't want to right now. Um, I was expecting like a sack joke. Um, eh, that does go on to holding the balls too long. Um, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia, and I'm going to courteously pass to a Gene. Uh, this is Gene Zilak. You can find me at tw- on Twitter at producer Gene. Uh, you can also find me at Twitter. I, <laughs> I, I <laughs> hangs out there. It's um, where, where Gene goes after school. Just hangs out at I just, Twitter. I just go at Twitter. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I will say uh, it was amazing how I had uh, flashbacks to to Chip Kelly. Uh, dur- you know, a lot during this uh, this game today. Uh, because every time I got up, it felt like the Eagles were giving the ball back to the de- uh, to another team's defense. Um, so ugh, uh, let me just sort of rattle out my frustration still. Uh, this is going to be a great venting slash mental health session. So I hope people are ready for that. I hope people are uh, prepared for that. I hope that um, that's what people are looking for because I'm pretty it's, sure that's it's going to be get. a mental health session. I don't know if it's going to improve it or not or to do do further damage, but um we speaking of mental health we certainly don't want to make any any light of that as uh as we've watched notorious cowboy fans skip bayless do this week hopefully i'm not stealing anyone's penalty box thunder um, you're not i don't have a good one so if you want to talk about now that's a great idea <laughs> no we can't bury the lead uh you know beautiful right. sunday a uh, beautiful sunday afternoon uh great day to kick off uh, the football season, football. It's been too long. We've missed you so much. Welcome back. It was a it, you couldn't ask for a better day for a, a one o'clock football game, and you couldn't ask for a better start from your Philadelphia Eagles. That's all the time we have for today. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next week. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> uh, so the Eagles, Eagles fall to Washington football team. In spectacular fashion today, uh, 17 to 27 after initially being up 17, nothing, uh, Washington football team scores 27 unanswered points. Uh, and just like, I don't I they the Eagles really do find like really interesting ways to demoralize you as a fan sometimes. And, and this is just, it's another example on a long, long list. We could probably cite, um, yeah, we, we lost Where do we today. Begin? We lost today to the guy who put no work into his fantasy football team's logo. It w- it popped up by default. It was Washington football team. You are gonna come up with a nickname? Nah. You're gonna come up with a logo? Nah. All right, I guess you don't care. And then we still got our ass kicked by it, Washington football team. It's actually not even that. It's 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 it actually seems like it's like leftover from the previous owner. Like yeah. I'm not gonna bother changing the color scheme or anything like that. We'll just put a w yeah and it's, yeah. it's literally like yahoo sports font w like you know when, <laughs> when, when you're scrolling through your options you have like green football helmet oh and i can choose any letter of the alphabet and you have two fonts you have the font you can't read because it's way too thin and then you have standard yahoo sports font 
Um, and actually, when you see it on the on your team logo for your fantasy football team, like the W gets sort of cut off a little bit, uh, which was also <laughs> sort of happening on the broadcast. I will say this. I don't know. I was I was just heard the very beginning of the game on the radio. And probably the funniest thing I heard in a long time on a radio broadcast was Merrill Reese slipping and almost saying Redskins and then basically having a mental fit because <laughs> he was obviously talked to, I guess, in the beginning of the game where it was like, now Merrill, remember, this is just the Washington football team. And he's like, right, right, Mer uh, Washington football team. I definitely won't fuck it up. And then, like, his first opportunity was like, and the Washington Red, I mean, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I, di I, I almost said it. <laughs> I didn't say it. Mike, did you hear me say it? I didn't say it. Um, and it was like two minutes of him, like, t calling out by name all of pr the producers on the broadcast to, to apologize for only saying the word red instead of red skins. Um, so before we go into actual football, because we are actually. Oh, no, we're going to avoid that here. as long as possible. So please. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me, I listened to the first game the Eagles played against the Baltimore Ravens um, on the radio. I think it was a preseason game or it was a very early game in the season. And it was the first time Merrill was calling a Baltimore Ravens game. And my God, did I hear the phrase Baltimore Colts more time than I ever had in my life beforehand. No, like see, call now that's that's. I, I didn't hear that. I'll take your word for it. That's some inexcusable stuff right there because they hadn't been the Baltimore Colts since like 1983 for decades. Yeah. And they, they're wearing like black and purple. <laughs> they don't even like, look like that. It's the furthest thing from a Colts uniform you could. Anyway, whatever. I, I mean, I agree. It's ridiculous, but that's why I brought it up. Yeah. I, uh, well, thank you for, for that anecdote. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of things that are ridiculous, the offensive line. Well, hold on. I got more. T I have more discussion uh, about more Washington football team. Can we talk okay. more about Washington football? More I, fluff. How do you, <laughs> <laughs> as a player, do you think that like affects your psyche at all? That you're playing for an unnamed franchise who can't be bothered to even put together some semblance of an identity. I uh, thought it would, but it. I guess it. Didn't. But here's the thing, though. Would you, to a certain degree, like, are you just glad that you no longer have to be a team that is a racial slur? I mean, I, mean, I, I feel like that is yeah, I, that is probably a little bit. I mean, especially for guys that have probably been there for like five or ten years. You're point, probably like, like, point. thank God I don't have to go places and say, like, I play for the Washington, you know, that word I'm not going to say. Um you know what I mean? Like that—that's gotta suck. Like if you're an eagle, you go, "I'm, I'm an eagle." You you don't go around being like, "I'm a, I'm a one of those people." You know, I play for that team. You know, basically, you've been calling yourself the Washington Football Team all this time. Maybe they're finally just embracing the fact that that's what everybody's been calling them for the last decade, anyway. Okay. Yeah, and it is historic. You know, how long has the 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 Redskins name been there? I mean, since what the twenties, if not before then. Um, this is the first year, the year that a lot of people didn't think would ever happen. You go, Hey, I get to play for Washington now. And, you know, no, I don't have to be embarrassed. Like Gene says, I don't have to apologize for my team's name. I'm making history here and a whole bunch of other bulletin board material. It's like, you know, <laughs> we're a Washington football team. We, we don't care about all the other stuff. You know, there's a lot of stuff that could have been said in the locker room to hype people up. All right. 
All right, well, let's let's get into it then. So All the right. first half was great. It really was. The first half was great. Defense secondary looked strong. Uh, uh, you know, we weren't falling for every double move that uh, was presented. Uh, and then Ronald Darby on the other side was still falling for double moves. And we got a great play from Rager to, to kind of kick off his Eagles career. Was it like a 60-yarder? Uh, connections to Goddard, connections to Ertz. Uh, Deshaun got got into the mix a little bit. There was no Aguilar dropping passes. It seemed like, wow, this is this is the way it's going to be. And Wentz looked strong, and everything was going great. <clears throat> it was everything you wanted out of a week one, the first half. <clears throat> yeah, you know, we talked the other week, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more later today how there was no preseason, how there was the abbreviated training camp or whatever, but it looked like a good week one in the first half. It didn't look even like the more recent ones where it's like, God, this team is out of sync. They they just can't do anything right. No, they look good. They look good. They didn't look like a, you know, a, a team that was going to win the Super Bowl in the first half, but they looked competent. They, you know, all the things I wanted to see happen were happening. Um, the, the tight end usage was great. Uh, Wentz looked composed. They, you know, defense looked uh, very good. It was, and that perfect sort of late summer, early fall day where it felt like football season, but also still felt like summer. You know, it was the first half perfect. Could not ask for anything more. Yeah. And, you know, another thing I noticed was I really missed. Uh, Malik Jackson last season because I felt like Jackson and Cox we were really getting a lot of pressure up the middle and I you know I started to I started to to wonder what the possibilities for this team could be if uh, if this kind of thing if this kind of thing kept going and then well and and I think more importantly what you also saw was it, it didn't look like Washington could get any of their game plan going at all. Um, that the defense seemed to be dictating the pace. They had an early three and out right to start the game, and they couldn't really get their running game going. It felt like every time they would get a, uh, you know, a, a little bit of momentum, it would immediately get squashed. Uh, Dennis Haskins did not look like he was going to be the second coming of uh, of even like a RG three when he had his hot year in in, in Washington. It, they they really look like. Um, the Eagles certainly had their number. And, uh, you know, you, you were like, well, Washington seems like they are who we thought they were, to, to coin a phrase. Right. And I did want to temper my enthusiasm thinking like, okay, relax. This is just Washington. We're expecting to take both of these games this season from Washington. I think when everyone did their W's and L's to start the season, both games uh, against Washington football team earned uh, a couple a couple extra W's there. Um, and but then Wentz threw a bad pick, uh, right at the end of the first end half, of the first right? Half. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, and that kind of started everything going in the wrong direction. Um, <laughs> because the first 14, at least the first 14 points, uh, Washington scored were off of turnovers. And, you know, there's a lot of debate going on, you know, between the between the talking heads and the post game and everything about, you know, what percentage of responsibility lies in the quarterback and which percentage lies in the receiver. And, you know, was there a 
preseason, you know, th- there wasn't enough preseason time for them to get acclimated on the same page. The receivers didn't fight enough for the ball. I don't know. To me, it looked like bad reads. Yeah. It, I, I agree on the bad reads or, and I feel like we're repeating ourselves from seasons past. Maybe he's just telegraphing. You know, he, he may, he's just looking down exactly where he's going to throw it. That allows the, the end to turn around and pick it off it's you know there's a lot of x factors in play there's a lot of reasons why this game could have gone off the rails in the second half and so it's unfair to put it entirely on Carson with that being said there's enough that Carson's got to shoulder some of this blame you know he's I think Dave you said in one of our text chats this is year five you know yeah, he didn't get the preseason, but for him to be this elite quarterback, you got to step up more often than you do. You have he has to have more football sense. You know, it's a phrase I don't typically use because I use the phrase hockey sense. Um, that's what I understand. Just somebody with an innate sense of the game, a sense of where they are in the game, and to make good decisions. My God, the second half did Wentz not make very many good decisions. But yeah, you he know, was under siege. No team got preseason games. Right. Yeah, that's no true. No team got preseason games. And you're playing against a team that got stripped of their identity, yep. uh, got a new head coach uh, who, uh, you know, God bless him, needed IV treatments to come back out to continue to coach the second half. Um, you know, a relatively inexperienced quarterback, uh, in, you know, in comparison, uh, a whole slew of changes, but I mean, like every team is going through a lot of changes, but you know, the Eagles have a sense of continuity with head coach quarterback, uh, you know, and a lot of these players returning to an established system. You have to think that that's a formula that the Eagles are going to, you know, have an advantage in this game. Yeah, I, I just wanted to uh, to see Wentz at some point be like he doesn't have to be Peyton Manning of you know being his own head coach, his own offensive coordinator, you know, at the line when he sees something he doesn't like. But I want there to be some common sense of I've been there before, and knowing that he doesn't have time in the pocket today. You know, uh, yeah. you've got to act quicker. You got sacked eight times. Yeah, the offensive line was not good, but at least four of those times you should have known that you had to make a decision sooner. And when getting sacked, cover the damn football. Well, Either decide not, to throw- yeah, if Doug isn't there to make the adjustment after these sort of offensive line injuries, and we'll we'll definitely talk about the offensive yeah. line. But if Doug's not there to make you know, if Doug isn't precipitating the changes in the game plan that need to happen uh, due to the, the the offensive line and the offensive line play and the pressure that the Redskins were getting, well, then it's on you, Carson, to bring yeah. up this issue and get the changes made. Uh, you know, you can't just keep pounding the nail uh, ho- hoping you're finally going to drive it home when, it, you know, it hasn't worked for – the last, you know, 35 minutes of gameplay here. Like, we need to do something differently. It definitely seemed like the first half they came out with the idea was we're going to basically going to take game one of last year's playbook 
and we're just going to try and throw the ball all over this team, uh, which seemed to work. The, the difference is you don't have the same you, like unresponsive coaching uh, on the other side of the field like you did last year. Now, remember, last year the Eagles fell down 17-0 and, and came back. Uh, this was almost sort of like the mirror image with, with us being the incompetent ones. The thing that I think really startled me and, and, and stood out to me very starkly in the second half is as much as the first half seemed like a team that was clicking on all phases of the game, I feel like the second half, you could point to moments in each phase of the game, uh, whether it was coaching, whether it was the quarterback play, whether it was the, uh, both lines, where each of those had an opportunity to make a decision, to make a uh, or make a play, and in each and every case, every single time, they didn't execute. Uh, the coach made some very strange. Now, I mean, they're not so strange for Doug, but sometimes, if you if you're in a position where you have an opponent that that you cannot continue to give them the ball uh, on your side of the field every possession. You know, at one point, he needed to just bury that team back and try and hold on to their lead. Um, you know, and he never did. He he kept trying to, you know, fourth and four, fourth and, and three, trying to, to, to make these things happen. He wasn't deep in his own, ter- you know, in, in, in enemy territory. He was right around the ha- the 50-yard line. These are, are, are – you are giving that team a short field every single possession. It's not a good offense, but it's a it, it's not – so awful that it's not going to be now able that, to get that. Get... That for to end the game, <clears throat> that fourth fourth and three. Um, I, I think I think there was like three minutes left, three and a half minutes left at that yeah. point. Yeah. To to just out of fr- it, it basically was out of frustration. We're gonna go for this fourth and three from our the- from our own forty. Uh, despite the fact that we have a two-minute warning and all of our timeouts left. And your offense at this stage of the game is your weakness. Right. So kick the ball, trust your defense, get it back, hopefully in better field position, and start over again with a one-score game. Right. Instead, like a little diaper baby, you throw a tantrum and go for it on fourth and three, and basically hand a two-score game to the, to the Washington football team. And and I know that that is his, his sort of menta- – Doug's sort of mentality, and, and when it works for him, it, it does. No. Well, calculated risk is one thing. Right. And that's – and th- this is my point. Sometimes the book is the book for a reason. Sometimes you punt because that's the smart thing to do. Sometimes giving yourself the chance to regroup is actually being aggressive. Um it, it, it's strange to me that we we so much of what happened for this team to fall apart. You know, I'm beginning to have the same sensations I used to have with Andy Reid, where the weaknesses in your game plan and, and in our and, and how to beat the Eagles, the, the, it is out on film. You know, you make Carson make fast decisions and he'll throw up ducks. You you force Doug into third and and or fourth and medium and he's going to go for it and give you short fields um there's just so many of these sort of and i almost want to say arrogant flaws in the eagles game plan 
um, that keep kind of sort of coming back to haunt them that one, just once I would love to see them sort of look at each other, meaning Doug and, and, and Carson, and be like, hey, you know what? Let's not fuck it up the way we usually do this time. How about how about you punt here, and how about I not throw a duck, and or how about I not fumble off somebody's helmet? Um, all of those things happen today, every single one of them. Yeah. Just like how many times when we talk about baseball, we talk about the fundamentals. You know, when we talk about hockey, we talk about playing simple hockey. It, it applies to football as well. You know, when things are going bad, you know do a run run throw for three downs <laughs> you know try to be try to just make the smart play make the simple play to calm things down to to subvert their expectations if they're going to expect that the eagles go out there looking for that you know that home run throw that that deep ball the the we're going for it, going for it, going for it well, then go out there and try to get two yards on a run, get another three yards on a run, and then have it be third and five. But we've seen yeah. this team win with this personnel in very ugly fashion to end yes. last season. And, you know, it, 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 just because you're, you know, you think you have these uh, offensive weapons this year or that, you know, we, we have more speed this year and you build a game plan predicated on speed or whatever, you know, it doesn't mean that you, you have, you have to run on the freeway the entire game. If it's not working, you obviously have the personnel that can grind this kind of thing out with short passes, screen passes, uh, a more of a controlled offense, more of a West coast style offense, Carson can roll out. He's a mobile guy. You don't need to do seven seven step drops looking for uh, deep deep play. I, I mean, I love I love it though. Like I love the aggressiveness. But if it's just not working, it's just not working. And you have to make an adjustment. Man, it's like this guy with the adjustments. It's just like it's not there. I just never. It's so frustrating to not to just the stubbornness all the time with this team. When I know I know that they can they can. Uh, modify a game plan and, and play a different style. I've, we've seen it. And maybe they were looking at something on tape and seeing that there were receivers still open, and that's why they kept going to it. But, you know, from what I understand of a football strategy, what, when you're getting beat up the middle by a defensive line the way they were, uh, you know, the counter is not throw 60-yard bombs. The counter is draw plays. The counter is misdirections. The counter is... Um, wide receiver outs, uh, you know, or, or those, those, those quick, uh, those quick slant routes, you know, where you're, you're, you know, you're taking like a two-step drop and, and, and trying to get these guys underneath of linebackers. Um, but they kept seeming to be like, I'm, we're going to drop Wentz way, way back and just let him get pounded. Uh, the interior line play was dreadful. Um, but you cannot put all of that on them because, you have to realize, okay, this is where, you know, we need to sort of, if that's where they're going to draw their attack, we have to be prepared to counter. Um, and even the unflavored yogurt announcers uh, were saying like, well, I wonder, you know, if the Eagles are going to try to use all of this aggressiveness that the uh, Washington football against team has them. been 
against them, because right? Draw them in, do some double moves. That's yeah, what Ron like that. Rivera did to us. If you watch some yeah. of those running plays when you got into the third and fourth quarter, it was a lot of the fake the ball one way and throw a pitch the other. Now, I know we were light as far as our running back personnel, um, and, and Dave, I think you kind of pointed out maybe the guys we had available uh, aren't really good enough to sort of run those sorts of semi-complicated run plays, but, you know, you have to be able, I would think, at the NFL level to be able to do some simple misdirection plays. Um, yeah, I don't know that Boston Scott and uh, and uh, uh, Clement. I, I don't know that they're the. I don't know that they're good. I don't. I don't know that they are either, especially not in a situation where you you sort of need running backs that can can do some more complex things. But no one's blocking. I mean, at this Nobody's point, blocking. at this stage in the game, we have no offensive line. It's Swiss cheese. No one's blocking. So I don't know what we're going to do, man. It's very, very concerning. But honestly, I, to a certain degree, this was not news even at the end of the year last year. Uh, you had to be in a situation where you they didn't tender an offer into the offseason to Jason Peters. He's here because he didn't get a job someplace else. And I know they restructured uh, contracts to sort of – placate or satisfy or you know bring harmony to the locker room or whatever it is that they did I think that was more of um you know Lane Johnson uh, you know trying to calm the uh calm the storm to a certain degree but what what is what is it Howie that you didn't see as far as writing on the wall with this situation well I mean I will say that the original plan for the offensive line at least on paper looked good uh, I mean, you have your number one, your first round draft pick, Andre Dillard. Th this is the offensive line we thought we were going to see going into the season. Uh, Dillard at left tackle and then going across the line, say Malu, Kelsey. I mean, Brooks and Lane Johnson. That's a strong offensive line. And the thing is that's amazing is that really your right, your right side was your weakness because you had – uh, a rookie and a second-year player, I guess, but that became your right guard and your, well, the and left your right side. Tackle, or the right. left side, so yes. Dillard and Sam Allo on the left side. Uh, but I, 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 the, I mean, I mean today, because Lane Johnson didn't play today, did he? Oh, yeah. Well, so And then today, what you had was Peters, Sam Allo, Kelsey, Herbig, and Driscoll. Yeah, Who Herb the fuck <laughs> are these guys? Herbig and, and Driscoll were guys I had never, never expected to be playing anything than garbage time. And then Driscoll got hurt. Yeah. Yeah, and then just so and now you got Myelotta, Myelotta, who has been called the project at best. Yeah, I, I let up Myelotta sacks today, is what he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I was waiting for that one. <laughs> you can always count on me for the uh, for the easy ones. Uh, <laughs> so, so I mean, what's what's the? I mean, do you guys? I, I, I'm like watching Eagles games between Little League. Games. Like, what's the what's going on? Are, are these guys out for extended periods of time? I've, I, I'm hoping Lane will be back next week. There was, I, from what I understand, there was some, you know, it was a serious sort of like game time decision with Lane this week. So, so that's got to like lead you to believe he will be in the lineup. And next I, week. I think to a certain degree, it was rather than on a t in a touch and go situation, re considering who they thought the opponent what they right. what okay, they were looking gotcha. at. I think they probably were like, let's try and give him that extra time, heal up try and manage our way through this game today. We think we're in an okay position. And then hopefully next week Lane will be back. I think getting Lane back certainly shores things up to a certain degree, but I, it is not, it's not a deep line. 
and I don't know that Peters actually played as many snaps as you 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 think. From what I understand, <laughs> yeah. I think I think even even Sorry. if. Even if they were how many snaps I think Peters played one well, of them got injured for the season. <laughs> well, I mean, I think Peters. Uh, no, you know, no, I mean, it sounded like he played the whole game, but he, you know, I don't know that he was. Yeah, no. I, I know what you him? meant, Gene. It's just, it's just funny. Uh, I'm not sure who was spelling him, and there was definitely some strange combinations. It seemed like to me as I was as I was watching. Um, and when you know, sometimes when you're listening to to national broadcasts. Uh, they don't necessarily give you that right, um, right, right. that sort of deeper but level. Peters of- is one of those guys where they're like, oh, you know, you just do your own thing. You just tell us when you're going to play. Right. I mean, you tell us what position you're going to play and how much money you're going to make already. So you just tell us how many plays you're going to play today. Yeah, it seems like there were definitely some snaps that, you know, or some series where he didn't have very many snaps. And, uh, you know... I- I, I did. There was nothing in his play that that screamed that he was a revolving door or anything. That's that's not what I'm implying. But um, at, at this point, you know, you you sort of need, and maybe he just physically can't play uh, a game's worth of snaps anymore. And maybe that's just in order for him to, you know, they have to kind of use him in higher leverage situations. But uh, your left tackle can't be that sort of a specialized guy. Uh, literally, it. it He's the anchor and the the protection of your of your quarterback. You sort of need him in there to to watch his back. So I don't know. Um, I think that they're they're probably the fall guys is the is the offensive line. I, you know they're like fourth or fifth on my list. Although they were certainly the most obvious glaring weakness. Um, you know I I put no well no well I mean those guys are who they are. Right, I, and that's what know, I mean. I can't say like oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, uh, Nate Herbig, you did not play up to your potential today because your potential to me was like, wow, you put on a uniform and got on the field. I have no further <laughs> expectations. You did it. Here's a cookie. Yeah, Herbig Driscoll, they had to get pulled away from their funeral home to play in this game. So I was going to go they, law they firm. So. But, but the other thing is, I mean, Washington's... Contact Herbig and Driscoll for all your end-of-life needs. <laughs> That's what Carson's going to be saying if they keep starting. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, uh, the, the, the that was... Pl- I mean, we ended up falling into to Washington's strength. Like, their strength is that defensive line, and that's how they're going to win games. Um, we saw in, earlier in the game, like, that that secondary is not not solid on on the other side. Um, And as the season goes on, you're going to see teams exploit Washington for a lot of yards. Um, And if they're not given uh, 40-yard fields, they're not going to score a lot of points. That is not some amazing football team that we we lost to today. And, uh, you know, I don't suddenly think that they're going to win the division. Um, But they are – they do have an upgraded head coach, and they do have a strong defensive line. And – you know, Ron Rivera is not some chump. This is a guy that's that's taken teams to a Super Bowl. Uh, we are used to Washington having pretty shit coaching that cannot respond. Um, that's not the case. They're far away from being competitive. They really are. But we can't we can't write anybody off uh, in sixteen game seasons. You need every win that you're gonna uh, that you can get um, because that's how the NFL works. You can't you can't give away wins. It's not. It's not like baseball where you can just, you know, lose five out of seven to the Marlins right, and still right, make the right, right. God, <laughs> kicking me when I'm down, man. Jesus. Uh, 
just to circle back on on Wentz, you know, Chuck, you touched on it. It's year, it's year five. Like, the, all right. Remember when? Remember when Shady was here, and the big thing was he dances too much. He's always looking for the home run. We just need a guy who's going to take the three yards the defense gives or the four yards and fall forward. Quit with the dancing. Well, Carson Wentz is a fucking dancing machine, all right? Like, this dude (laughs) needs to recognize at this point in his career when a play is there and when it's not, and the hero ball needs to end. I don't I don't need every play to be a Houdini act, a miracle escape, a, a, you know, a spinorama and all, all this nonsense. If it's not there, get rid of it because you don't have the offensive line to protect you. You don't have the skill players on the edges to, to help make the back end of the play that you're trying to make. You just got to take what the defense gives you. And if you do that, you'll have success. I mean, if we basically limited everything in this game we would have won we would have won yeah you know you eight sacks i mean that could have been limited to four three uh if you just got rid of the ball uh, i know we, we he definitely took points off the board from the Elliott 53 yard field goal i mean that thing was dead red it just didn't have yeah. the length right um so eight yards made the whole difference there. And, you know, you got to think that way, bro. Like it's year five, like stop making that's rookie stuff. Like, when are we going to yeah, get he, When are we going to start moving to like young quarterback with potential to like veteran leader? I don't think, it, I don't think we have to wait till year 10 in the league for that. No, he should be there pretty much now. Yeah. He had the in, injury history, but it should be, young veteran if we want to split the difference you know by this time in donovan's career he already had gone to the other extreme you know donovan McNabb and his worm killers you know (laughs) that was a tendency in his game early but he really did it was only a couple years in where it's like oh donovan you, you should have scrambled there or you stayed too long in the pocket when he was just making pragmatic decisions not everyone was the right decision to make but he was making smart decisions what if a donovan McNabb football was a was like a a final boss in an earthworm gym video game (laughs) (laughs) like you just have to duck like number five just stands in a like above you and just hurls fireballs donovan spiking footballs at you yeah See, I imagine it would have been the truck the tragic inciting incident like earthworm gym like and you know has retired from space fighting whatever i never actually played an earthworm gym (laughs) like retires with his family in the the new grass at financial field and then one day his family home is destroyed by don mc he's like dodging uh dodging uh puke falling (laughs) also (laughs) His village is washed away. <laughs> All right, oh, that's anyway. a tragedy. I'd love to see it. <laughs> but he's just got to be smarter. And it's easy at home to watch and go, hey, the pocket's collapsing. But it, he really needs to have that sense of 
take the sack and protect the football or throw it away. Like the time to make a play is over. Or if he's going to take the time to make a play, you have to make the damn play, which is what he wasn't doing today. Can you think of one moment today where he spent too long in the pocket only to break a tackle and make something work? I can't. I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm nothing's jumping out where he he held the ball um, a little bit longer and made a, a long bomb or made a first down. What? Well, I don't if it remember happened, it happening. happened in the first half. Well, yeah, and and I think the it, other the other thing that that of of note is you know we're, we we did see we've seen him in 2017 sort of make those escapes and maybe um, the cumulative effect of football has taken that half second and instead of it making this great like Houdini like escape, uh, he's getting hit by uh, by a defensive lineman and it's affecting the flight of the ball and maybe it's it's getting to a point where you know even though instinctually. That's what has always happened to him through his college career and early in his NFL career. But maybe now, you know, as you start to mature in the league, um, you have to start to realize that that athletic play may not be there anymore. You might not have that 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 half set. You may you know you might be that half beat slower, and now you've got to start to adjust and be more of that field general and start to outthink these coverages and outthink these pressures rather than just outmuscle them. Um, you know, and I, you know, to a, a big, my, my biggest villain in this game, and I think I alluded to it earlier, is is absolutely, this is 100%. My feeling is if there's anybody that needs to take an L here, it's, it's, it's the head coach. And usually I am one of the first people that will jump to Doug's defense. But, like, almost all of this, I think, keeps coming back to why isn't he making these adjustments both in how he calls the plays and, and, and saying to Carson, you know, you these are the sorts of things with, that we're seeing that you need to look out for. Uh, it feels like he's just l- abandoning abandoning him uh, in that sense. and. I, I don't know how that whether it's their relationship. I, I don't know, but I just feel like there's a disconnect between coach and quarterback. Chuck, I think you brought it up too. Like, how come there was never a back in the backfield um, to offer some, like some extra protection or like go into some sort of like max protect uh, formation or something? Like, we're not going to give this guy any any help. We're, like, and this is the thing. It's just like I'm not changing. Like this is the game plan. Like I yeah. did this. This is this is what we put together. We're just doing it. Next man up. You got to do the same thing. Even the Andy Reid error had the I'm going to fake it to Westbrook. <laughs> like you know somebody back there to to maybe keep one guy back from them sending the house. And you know. Before we started the show, I was thinking to myself, if I had to, you know, who I'd put the blame on, it was going to be both on Doug and on Carson and on the relationship together. You know, I mentioned Peyton Manning um, early of, you know, making those adjustments. And, you know, Peyton Manning was a very special player that way. But even Brady and Belichick, again, Brady and Belichick, special players, but for people who have a relationship for some time, Carson Wentz should be able to go, hey, Doug, it's not happening today. You know, I need something different. You need to help me out. 
or he needs to be up there at the line going, this is what Doug's calling. And go, you know what? I'm not seeing it. I'm going to take two steps and then throw it. Something. You know, they need – if they don't have a relationship here where one can tell the other, hey, we need to try something different, or – then something's wrong. And one of them, if they're the people we thought they were – should know that things are wrong and adjustments need to be made. And, you know, I'm I am no great football genius. I am a casual football fan. But even I'm telling you, why don't the hell, why don't we have a backpack there? Why don't we try a run occasionally to keep them honest? Why are we eating up so much of the damn clock? Sorry, we're not eating up the clock when we have the lead or when it's tied and just going three and out. Here you go. Here's the ball back. And we ate up no time. You know, these are not hard things, and you want your quarterback and your coach to have enough of a relationship to go, hey, coach, take a step back. Why aren't we doing this? Or, hey, Carson, come over here. Take a breath. You know, stop trying to win the game on every single play. But that didn't happen. And I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg, but one of them or both of them have to keep each other honest, have to keep each other responsible. Do you think there's a crisis in leadership on this team? I mean, the the clear, if you want to call him captain, the clear leader of this team was Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, and whether you liked his leadership style or not, it, you know, players certainly rallied around him and, and saw him as that figure. Who is the leader of this team right now? Is it the quarterback? Is it somebody else? Or like I said, is, is there a crisis right now where we don't have leadership? I think it's probably like Lane Johnson and, and Jason Kelsey. Um, maybe Ertz. Which, by yeah. the way, the, dropping that four, fourth and three uh, should work <laughs> well in the next contract negotiation uh, conversation you have with Howie. Yeah, I think that he probably nudged the guy, the editor next to him, and be like, "Make sure you, make sure you keep that, you know, highlight that one." Goddard looked pretty yeah. good. Yeah, Goddard yeah. did look pretty good. I think I saw Howie and... Roseman in a Goddard jersey coming to the stadium. Any, I mean, I, I don't want to, like, I don't look. It's game one. You know, we don't need to get into like overreaction theater here, but I mean, it's concerning. Is the season over? No. Will they make adjustments? figure things out, do something to solidify the offensive line. Will those guys get better? Yes. You know, I don't know. Right now I'm in a negative swirl with this team right now because of what they did to me today. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the in negative swirl because what they did to me today, it sounds like you got like your head stuck in the toilet. But, um, but no, for the past, I guess, what, four years? Um, you know, this being year four, so the, the previous three years, the the Eagles have corrected things enough to get into the playoffs, win around um, <laughs> at least three of those four years. So there, there will be corrections coming. So I'm not prepared to write off the, the season, but I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm going, how many times can we play with fire here? Right. You know, Since the, Super Bowl year, we've started weird every year. Exactly. And, you know, last season, the division was handed to us. You know, we didn't deserve to win the division last last season, but nobody else wanted it, so we took it. 
And we're, we're far removed from that right now. You know, that's not the place we're in. But if we are one and two in week three, maybe this season starts looking that way again. And at the very least, from a fan perspective, that's not that fun. You know, let's let's look like we're in control of our own destiny. Let's look like Carson Wentz is the quarterback we've all been screaming that he is. So rank, rank, you know, just looking at the last few years, rank in in order. I'm going to give you four games. Rank in order of anger level at losses. Um, today's game, the loss to Detroit last year, uh, the loss to Atlanta last year, or the loss to Seattle last year. Which would you say uh, was the thing that made you the most frustrated, most is, irritated? Is the Seattle lost the playoff loss or the regular season loss? Um, dealer's choice. <laughs> Does that make me the dealer? Because I would say, the, I guess I'll say the regular season one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. To me, I think I I don't remember them all like crystal clear, like yeah. play by play. I feel like it's the Detroit game. It's it it's the Miami game. If you really want to get down oh, yeah. to I, it, what what really pissed me off was the Miami game. I should have added that into the mix. Yeah. No, Can I go two back and go to the Titans game? Oh, that Man, was another one. That, that was another one that really irritated me. <laughs> Oh my! I, my blood still boils over that Titans game. We yeah. we tried to lose it on so many different plays, and the Titans just didn't want to win it. Until well, we how got many fourth and longs did we give up? Yeah. up? But it was a different yeah. kind. Of like I don't know. Well, and this I'm, one, this one doesn't hurt as bad because I can kind of like at least go. Well, you have no like no offensive line. It just wasn't. It was just not existent, but that yeah, game was just like, well, I mean, really, this is what you're doing. I don't. They all, they're all they, pure. They all suck. <laughs> yeah, my my first guess was the Detroit game, although they're not all that clear. They're all not all that clearly delineated in my head. Um, but this year's game reminded me a lot of that opening day against Atlanta last year. Well, no, we won that game. Never mind. Um, but <laughs> it reminded me a lot of. Well, it was week two last game. year against Atlanta. Was yeah. I think what Gene's talking about? Right. Okay. Specifically, the, we were we were in position to win that game, and uh, and and a ball went through a wide receiver's hands. Um, yes. Okay, that is the one I'm thinking of. You know which wide receiver yeah. that was? Gene? I think it was Aguilar. <laughs> and uh... unlike Aguilar. <laughs> So, right, and that the other thing was that was that was a primetime game, national TV sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, like there is a litany of bad Eagles losses. When I, after the game today, um, I, I happened to be not home watching the game, and I was on my way back. Uh, we stopped and 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 did the grocery shopping for the week, and I ran into a buddy of mine um, who I probably haven't seen since. Uh, this whole thing shut down. So him and I were talking, and he he said, and and he's uh, the uh, he he's very tongue in cheek, and he kind of said, you know, worst regular season loss in Eagles history. Um, and <laughs> at first, I sort of like was like, oh yeah, this you know, one? yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 at first, I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you know that sort of got the wheels turning, like worst Eagles loss in real. I don't I don't know about that. Um, it's a bad opening day loss. I wouldn't even say it's the worst opening day loss. I remember us losing after the 06 uh, Super Bowl run, losing a bad game to Tampa Bay. Um, 
you know, the Eagles, the Eagles do this. They do lose these bad games. They do this a lot in the Doug Peterson era. I am still a, a firm believer that Doug is a good to um, certainly far above your replacement level head coach in the NFL. Uh, we have seen in our lifetime some dreadful, dreadful NFL coaching. Um, thankfully, a lot of it has been in Dallas. Um <laughs> But uh, I, I'm not in uh, one of those people that's w- ready to 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 go and get the um, the pitchforks and the torches and uh, burn the uh, the statue in front of uh, uh, Lincoln Financial Field uh, in effigy. But um, I do want to see Doug do what he does best, and that is sort of rally the team around him, not let this team get too down on itself, and. Um, I want to see them come out and kick ass next weekend. I really do. I want to see them shut some people down. I want Miles Sanders to come back. I want Lane Johnson to come back. And I want to see some. I want to see some spectacular play. I really liked the stuff I saw at a, at a Rieger. I think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, he looked fast, and um, you know there was he he hit one sixty yard bomb, and there was another play close to the end yeah, of the second half. He had a step, and if that ball's just, you know, what I mean, and he was gone. So that's a guy when you've got two two speedsters on the outside. There's going to be opportunities where you're going to see them put up points in bunches, and I'm really well, excited to see that. Yeah, if they do it, uh, they're going to have to do it next week against these uh, L.A. Rams who are uh, giving the Cowboys all they can handle right now on Sunday Night Football. Uh, a pretty entertaining game, so we'll definitely still be talking when when that ends. Um, but let's uh, have officially burned out my retina. What's that, Chuck? I said, and their uniforms have officially burned out my retinas. And I don't get what this logo is. It's like this, like clay face ram. Yeah. In the center. <laughs> I don't understand. It's very odd. Um, okay. Well, let's switch gears uh, for a couple of minutes uh, and talk about the Phillies. Uh, is everyone on this podcast today uh, wearing pants? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am currently wearing shorts, but they okay. are on same I- thing. They're just pants without. I, I didn't with I, the bottom part, through. I, <laughs> I haven't messed with any zippers if that's what you're asking okay do, what do, I mean no one had any issues getting these pants on today right no this is got yeah, this, no, this, this is a frustrating injury to Zach Wheeler yeah they, this is one of those injuries that's like are we calling bullshit like are we gonna, how drunk were you when you were putting on these pants like <laughs> I've been pretty klutzy in my life. I've never lost a fucking fingernail to pants. <laughs> so, is this weirder than know. Sammy Sammy Sosa's like sneeze injury? Oh, that one was great. <laughs> <laughs> but at least that sneeze was all roided up. That's <laughs> true too. That is a that was a massive sneeze. I, I mean, from what I understand, in all seriousness, like this is a this is a thing with Wheeler that he's had. Basically, since junior high school, where it must be something owing to the nature of the way he pitches or the way he grips the ball, um, that he loses part of the that fingernail every year uh, throughout the course of the season, and usually it's it's one of those things that it's manageable oh. because he doesn't lose it all at once. Um, and apparently, the, his pants got the best of him this time. And uh, <laughs> but you know, here's my question though: if, if this, that's true, and you know that that's the sort of thing that's going to ha- that could happen. You know why isn't he bubble wrapping 
that finger, basically. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, if you he's like a Michael Jackson glove. Like seriously, <laughs> he should just walk around with a glitter glove all the time and be like, "It's my pitching hand." Um, <laughs> I, I mean, oh, it may look God. a little ridiculous, but nobody's going to fault him because he's getting paid millions and million dollars to maintain all. Or at least his- get a chimpanzee to put your pants on you yes. for you. Yeah. It bubbles the pants, chip. <laughs> it all comes down to the bubbles, whether it be bubble wrap on your finger or bubbles the chimp putting on your pants. And honestly, fanatic with your new outfit, what what are you so busy doing that you can't help the players get dressed? You know, I've worked in theater long enough to know that there are such a things as dressers. Um, should we start employing? I mean, they're all out of work. These stagehands. Why don't we employ dressers, costume um, professionals, in the locker room? We'll test them. We'll put them in the bubble. See again with the bubble. Um, you know, <laughs> and I bet you in Miami they probably have some really good looking dressers. So I don't know. So Zach Wheeler joins Spencer Howard, Reese Hoskins, JT Romuto. Um, from the players this week that have an injury issue uh, that we need to look into. And those guys join Roman Quinn and Jay Bruce who are already on the aisle. Um, Now I guess Romuto and Hoskins are getting MRIs. Yeah, they are. Yeah. It's so uh, when this comes out Monday, uh, the 14th, they are getting MRIs. Now Hoskins He's got like a forearm issue, right? And his X-rays were negative, so that's pretty hopeful. The JT thing is concerning. This is a hip injury. Now, did he get <clears> hit? none of us are qualified to talk about? So. Did he get hit in the hip, or did he hit? It? Was was it, how was the injury or injury acquired? Do we know? I don't. I, I don't recall when really? it happened. Did he get hit by a pitch? That's what I thought, but I also might be crossing up with the. Well, whatever. I will. I mean, we'll we'll look well, into that. But and well, it might be time to to make a at least shoot a text to Doctor Keith tomorrow and see if we can get get an update on. Well, I mean, between the offensive line uh, and all these Phillies injuries, it might be <clears throat> it might be worth a conversation. Somebody's um, got to get me straight on all these different grade two bruises and whatnot. Yeah, and you know, today was kind of a. Especially weird day because, you know, we had to face uh, Sixto Sanchez, who just looks phenomenal. Oh, God. Uh, God. Like an absolute future ace who, like Pedro Martinez says, reminds him of himself, but better. Uh, And it's just fucking great. Like, what a great draft pick he was. How did we find him? Genius move uh, by the Phillies. Well, and and see the the thing that's super frustrating is, um, you know, they showed those overlays of of Pedro, and like there's actually like photographic evidence basically backing up what he's saying. This kid's form is it's he he basically looks like a Hall of Famer. You know, what I mean, like you can literally see him with the exact same leg kick as Pedro Martinez. It's it's insane. And Pedro was the pitcher that, you know, I lusted after most. And, yeah, he spent his time in Philly, and I don't know why I don't have a uh, Pedro Martinez Phillies jersey. But 
Yeah, you eventually got him, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> like all the people that I eventually wanted. Like, oh, I'm a huge Pronger fan. Give me Forsberg. And then they come to Philadelphia. It's like, oh, your career's over. That's my bad. Well, it's, um, it's, it's like that girl in high school that you have a big crush on, but you don't get to date her till she's uh, no, in a Okay, so home. JT Realmuto has had, <laughs> he left the game with hip discomfort that he experienced while running the bases. So I'm sorry to cut off your, another one of Gene's fabulous high school analogies. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you were saying Gene from being me too'd. All right, don't go too far here. No, 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 no. I fully welcome um, to watch that downfall uh, unfold. <laughs> <laughs> um i just wanted to clarify but, the jt thing yeah but but let's talk about the trade of uh yeah Sixto looked phenomenal and it it hurts but if we can sign romito we need to sign him like and i don't think he's gonna want to sign right now there's nothing that screams hey come back to the phillies but well I don't know why why do you say that Chuck because he's a catcher and catchers Uh careers don't run that long you know they they tend to between hip and knee problems have shorter careers his next Uh stop might be his last stop as a elite player depending on how long he he signs for Uh uh-huh are you thoroughly convinced that the Phillies are in position to win a world series in the next three years? Yeah. All right. Look, I, before this, before these few games against the Marlins, if you took every game that the Phillies had a two run lead in and gave them that win, they would have been like 30 and nine um, with like almost a double digit game lead over the Braves. So you're a bullpen away. Like yeah. The offense is fine. The offense really is fine, especially if you can re-sign JT. And, like, I'm getting to the point where it's like you got to re-sign Didi. Yes, uh, yes. And the 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 pitching staff, you're piecing together things progressively that make sense. So, obviously, Nola, perennial Cy Young candidate. Zach Wheeler, if we can keep his – fingers out of his zippers or whatever he'll be fine uh spencer howard is gonna get better uh, you know you're gonna J- jake arietta's coming off the books if eflin can get it together maybe you know maybe you sign one more starter like a, a solid three guy like nothing crazy um you yeah, know but you if we stabilize have three that starting four already on the roster <laughs> i know that- i know i know no, but, no, no, I'm, no, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying yeah. if we, have, we have the starting four in place. That's That goes a long way to your starting five. Right. So now you're talking like, okay, how do we fix the bullpen? And we'll have another offseason to do it. You know, whatever. I mean, it's there. The fan base is, is overly supportive of him. <clears throat> Obviously, the team leader, the star of the team is a vocal advocate of bringing him back. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it's going to come down to a money thing with him. And yeah. he obviously wants to do something with the contract that makes a statement uh and makes a statement for catchers um so you know we just gotta pressure ownership to help make that statement i mean like what do i care it's not my money right like sign them we need them and also you look like a total fucking moron if you don't sign him a colossal 
moron. And the more 6-0 wins, the more money you got to give to ensure that JT's here so you don't look like the biggest fucking idiot in the history of, like, Philly's sports trades i mean like this could go down it's like what were the phillies thinking a two-year rental for a catcher uh and you have a hall of fame pitcher you know i'm not gonna put six though in the hall of fame yet but you know what if right like how the the more he wins the dumber you look well especially considering it's not even two years it is one year and 60 games you know what i mean like (laughs) you didn't even get your full rental it's like if you go to blockbuster and you only get two-thirds of a movie (laughs) um for those of you that don't know what blockbuster is it was this place that used to have vhs tapes and uh if you were kind you would rewind um and vhs tapes precede dvds (laughs) and dvds are what you used to have to get before you got your movies from the cloud go on (laughs) so uh but with with JT Romuto, the other thing that I feel like you've already sort of solved was I think he had a horrible relationship with Gabe Kapler. Um, yes. And you have solved that. I think he has a very good to great relationship with uh, with the current manager. Yeah, contrary. I mean, like, at least they did that right. At least they did that right. And we don't have a Jimmy Butler situation. Right. Right. Uh, where you kept the you kept the manager for like one year and alienated your star player. Uh, um, speaking of though, uh, have you been keeping tabs <laughs> on the uh, San Francisco Caplers? I'm sorry, what? Have you been keeping tabs on the San Francisco <clears throat> Giants? I misspoke. Uh, I no, I mean like I've, they're like floating, right? They're just they kinda... they are in position similar to the Phillies that they would yeah. be a second place team that's going to make the playoffs. Not only that, they have what may be a, an MVP candidate in Matt Yastrzemski, and yeah, he's good. he is real, real good, and uh. How there? They're basically saying like that. Gabe Kapler. Wait, no, no, no. wait, hold on. The, there's the Giants are not in second place. I thought that they were over the Padres. I I I have to look at this at one yeah, point. Check they, that real quick because I'm a big Fernando Tatis Jr. fan, and uh, I've been following the Padres. Uh, so check that for me. But you might be right. You might be right. I don't know. Well, while Gene checks that, I just want to uh, double back real quick to what you said, Dave. And you do make a really compelling point when. When I watch this Phillies team, it does not feel like we're that far away until the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. <laughs> then, then it feels like we don't have a team at all. Yeah, Gene, but the Giants you, are like yeah, seven and a half behind yeah, the Padres. They're, 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 no, they're, but they might be in a wild card spot. I think they are in a wild card. I think they are in a wild card <clears throat> spot. Uh, but anyway, I, I just wanted to, to – my, my point being, I, I just wanted to – uh, throw out there that um, much to my chagrin, at least, uh, Gabe Kapler seems to have become a an, an okay to decent fit uh, in, in in San Francisco, and they they seem to like him out there. Whatever. I mean, we've seen this before with Gabe. I mean, through fifty games, you're five hundred. Like, give me a break. Right, and then when you get to August, all of a sudden you don't know what uh, how to win oh, a baseball. Shit, game. are they really have 50, like we're almost at fifty games already? Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, oh they, we are. Are. they are. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah the Phillies are at 31. Right. We're closing that game. Uh, <laughs> we're at 45 games. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. we are, we are two we're getting weeks, there. We're we are two there. weeks out. You know, we're two weeks to the playoffs. All right. Real quick. So, like, I- I've been having a, oh my God. I've been going like really crazy this week <clears throat> with the Phillies and some basketball stuff. So, what, all right, of these three things, like what is driving you the most insane? Uh, watching Sixto succeed uh, without JT having a contract, 
number one. Um, watching Jimmy Butler uh, lead the Miami Heat and taking down the number one seed Bucks, or watching Jason Tatum uh, do what we couldn't do uh, last year and take down uh, the Toronto Raptors in a game, an awesome game seven, if a great game an seven. awesome game six, and an awesome game yeah. seven. It was a great series overall. Just, series. Just, it was yeah. just really good. Yeah. So the, all, those three things have been having me like pull my hair out, and I can't decide which one makes me the most crazy. Chuck, do you want to chime in first? Because I have a decided opinion on this. Well, I hope I don't uh, share the same opinion for you, at least for for good radio content. But for me, it's Jimmy Butler. It's he's the one who got away. He was here. He he changed the culture of the Sixers. You know, I'm not slagging Ben. I'm not slagging Joel. They, I I like them both. The I like the team. I like what they bring to it. But Jimmy Butler came in, and then all of a sudden, it felt special. All of a sudden, the Sixers felt like a team that really could win it all. And Butler was a tremendously huge part of that. Over-relied on, always to take that last shot. But Butler really brought this, this edge to the Sixers, this winning attitude to the Sixers, and he walks away, whatever, goes to Miami. All right, fine. Good luck. Have fun. You know, and now here he is taking down the Bucks, And you're just thinking, oh, what if? What if, like Dave said earlier, they made that coaching change one year sooner and brought in maybe somebody to, to revitalize the system, you know, pump up the players. And we had Butler, Ben, Joel for this abbreviated run, it could be us. It could be us right now. And and as much as I absolutely have um, totally had the exact same sentiment that you have right now uh, watching Jimmy Butler succeed in Miami, there is absolutely nothing that drives me more bonkers than having Jason Tatum have any success whatsoever uh, for two <laughs> reasons. Um, he's a Boston Celtic, which automatically makes me hate him. Um, he has been... Uh, in, in this year's playoffs, he basically uh, was a one-man wrecking ball uh, against uh, against the Sixers. But he defines where the Sixers, to me, in the modern their modern history, got the most snookered. Um, we all <laughs> believed and we all bought into the fact that oh man, we have just sucker punched those Celtics and made them go back to the th- to the three seed. We we really got one over on them when we got. Markel Fultz and um yeah Boston clearly had better scouting uh Tatum has looked like an NBA not only NBA ready player but a borderline star a superstar now uh since he came into the league and Markel Fultz did he play 15 games as a as a sixer uh, and he's become basically an average player in Orlando I, I wouldn't even call him a good player in Orlando what is he like a 13 and five guy in Orlando? If he even gets that many rebounds, um, he's certainly not going to at this point look like somebody that's going to even have the career that Evan Turner had. Um, so uh, Jason Tatum, just seeing that Jersey, seeing that face, uh, thinking about is he a hate the face guy for you. Gene? He is a hate the face guy to me. And he knowing that, knowing that we, we thought we had got one over on the Celtics by giving them what is becoming their franchise player. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's infuriating. It's infuriating. Yeah. So uh, Tatum is the one that's driving me the most bonkers. Yeah, and and for me, it's it's funny. Uh, for me, it's six though. Um, look, I'm gonna say a lot of things, and I don't want any of them be, to be taken out of context. One, Andrew Knapp has been playing really well. <laughs> so <laughs> please do not infer that I believe that Andrew Knapp is better than JT Real Muto. But <clears throat> my question would be. Would you trade JT Realmuto right now for Sixto and Alfaro to have a rotation of Nola, Wheeler, Sixto, Howard, Eflin? Yeah, I, I mean, would. Yeah, you'd be in the playoffs like for show. Yeah, I mean, Alfaro. I'm not a scout. I, I, I'm not a scout. You know what you had. You know, like, you know what 6 was. Like, you had to know, right? You don't, like, I, I, mean, I mean, and maybe we're speaking too soon about this, but you don't trade that away. You, you don't trade that away unless you really feel like you can do something special while you had JT under contract. And... The Sixers, the Sixers, the the Phillies did a lot, but there was still, from the beginning of last year, a lot of questions going, hey, we're going to do anything about that bullpen? And then the answer has been a resounding no. You know, hey, um, do we have enough starters? Yeah, this year we improved it uh, by bringing in Wheeler, but it for it's, it's kind of like an all-in kind of play for a team that didn't go all-in. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll tell you what. If they don't re-sign JT, uh, I, I want someone in that. I want someone in Citizens Bank every game, like holding up a sign that has like Sixto's career stats on it. So you're getting That's season tickets? Is that what you're telling for me? As long as for as long as Matt Klintak is still there. I hate Matt Klintak, by the way. Yeah, I'm done with him. He's the fucking worst, man. Yeah, I think that if there was. If there's somebody else, uh, the the thing I wanted to change the most was Brett Brown. Uh, the thing I want to change second most now, or I guess now the thing I want to change most would be uh, Matt Klintak getting. So the Ford, so the GM, game. the GM rankings would go Fletcher, Roseman, Brand, Klintak. <sighs> uh, um, Fletcher, I guess de- so. I'd say I the think Fletcher definitely right. won. Yeah, Fletcher and Roseman definitely. Uh, and depending on if the if the Eagles uh, <laughs> whose game you watched last, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I I think there is uh, something really truly that has uh, been really great about Chuck Flesher. I think that um, he really did sort of right the ship in uh, in a really important way, both in the made the right decision in hiring the head coach in his not try to steer this conversation to the Flyers right now. <laughs> I, I am wearing a flyer shirt because that was the thing I was still happy about when I when I got dressed tonight. You know what? <laughs> I'll tell you what. You know what always makes me happy? Going to Chuck's penalty box. Uh, it makes me happy too. It makes me happy when I get a good segue into the penalty box. So I'm going to ping pong that right back to you, Dave. Dave, who is in your penalty box this evening? All right. So in my penalty box, I. I'm putting a show that I saw a commercial for today uh, in the penalty box. The show is called I Can See Your Voice. 
real quick that was on this short list of mine and but go on from what i understand about this show from the preview is you're going to see people and they're going to be interviewed or maybe uh and then the uh, celebrity hosts will guess if they believe that they can sing well uh, and then they will probably sing or try to sing. And this is the, the absolute dumbest premise for a show. I mean, what are we going to have spinoff shows? Like, I, <laughs> I could see your shit. Like, who could take an eight inch long shit? Like, what, like, what is this? Like, I, I could, I could see your juggling. Like, can you juggle seven bowling pins? Like, I don't fucking know. Like, what? what kind of interview I, I, I would, what are you going to ask them like have you been have you taken uh singing lessons at any point <laughs> <laughs> like what what is this i, I don't <laughs> it's just another show where people are going to get up on stage and sing and people will probably vote or some nonsense and you can play along and blah 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 blah, blah. and it's like when are people going to get tired of people singing on television like enough all right, so uh, Ken Jong and the producing team at Fox, all the way back to Star Search and America's Got Talent, singing on TV. You're not new, and Dave's getting kind of bored. You're getting a double minor. Do something new and stay in a minor key. All right, Gene, who is in your penalty box this evening? Uh, as usual, I would, I probably could lump in many 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 folks but let me just call this um the uh the the illuminati group that is clearly running uh women's soccer in america and how brain dead that group must be um right now if you haven't been watching or paying attention to women's soccer um most of the names you've probably heard of are uh basically taking off to go and play in Europe for great contracts. Um, and it's because the European game has decided, or at least the European soccer clubs, some very famous Premier League soccer clubs, clubs have started to uh, basically have a, a women's parallel league. And uh, on, you lady Spurs. And uh, you're seeing these big American names go over to England, play for Chelsea and uh, Man United. And uh, you're going to see these big American female stars go to a place where they're going to be paid uh, equal to the equivalent of men's soccer professionals here in this country. But what you're not going to see them do is practice and play friendlies for the U.S. national team. And... Uh, you know, partly it is that the women's national team isn't really practicing right now because of restrictions on on how those practices can be held. But uh, I think what y the bigger problem here is because the women are are not being paid fairly in this country. You are going to see what could be the true league that could break through in women's soccer end up being direct of talent because all of the names and brand players are going to go and play in Europe. And we are going to lose what could have been, uh, instead of it being that we are the the premier location for women's soccer, we are going to hand that off to the English as usual when it comes to the game that is a ball off of a foot. 
Um, so in that sense, the women's soccer Illuminati, you should be considering equal pay. You should be keeping your stars. And uh, you're going to really piss off Je- Zach Ertz when his wife is playing uh, for uh, for Tottenham. So, I, see, I did that for you, Dave, because I figured you'd want an Ertz on your squad. Um, yeah, Alex Morgan. Yeah, so. Ooh. Yeah, so, you know, if me, you know, typical Philadelphia sports fan is is being drawn into uh, the the pol- political uh, arena of women's soccer, you know it's probably a problem. So let's get this straight. Let's make the women's league in America better. All right. So I'm actually going to name the Illuminati on Gene's behalf. So USA Soccer and the Women's uh, National Soccer League, um, the sorry National Women's Soccer League. Um, you are getting a five-minute major for failing to capitalize on the most successful sports brand in the United States. Sorry, most um, the most successful sports export in the United States. U.S. women's soccer. Let them thrive. Let them uh, flourish at home. Let's not lose all of our good soccer players to Europe once again. Five-minute major for failing to capitalize on U.S. goods. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? All right. Um, I'm going to double back to Skip Bayless. Um, I had a couple uh, contenders, but if you didn't hear it, um, this week, Skip Bayless exceeded his own levels of stupidity of you know base depravity if that's not an exaggeration i'm sure it is but this week he called out dak prescott for being open and honest about his struggles with mental health and saying that he fell into depression and if you don't know the story behind it you may think all right it's it's covid19 it's you know the times of racial tension it's 2020 just sucks in the hole you'd be understandable for anyone to fall into depression but uh Dak's brother had committed suicide so skip bayless cowboys fan cowboys promoter decides to call out Dak prescott for talking about his mental health when he lost his freaking brother to 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 mental health to to depression to suicide and saying that this isn't the language of a leader you know i don't want to hear this in the locker room i don't want to hear this from my quarterback and for that i give you a hearty fuck you to skip bayless because not only is that backwards it's just wholeheartedly incorrect You want your leaders to say, this is what I've gone through. You want your leaders to be transparent with their teammates. You want, God help me, America's team, even though they haven't been that for a long time, you want their leader, the face of their franchise, to step up and say, this is what I'm going through. This is normal. I've lost someone to suicide, and this is how I felt. And if you can't wrap your head around why that's a good thing and not a bad thing, or at the very least a human thing and not some, you know, 
robotic football player thing. I don't even know what to tell you. So Skip Bayless, for once again, ruining the Bayless family good name. Rick Bayless must hate you as much as we all do. You're getting a 10-minute game misconduct for trivializing mental health and um, victims of suicide during National Suicide Awareness Month. 10-minute game misconduct for being the worst Bayless. All right, and then that's all the time we have for today. <laughs> Join us next week. We're going to recap uh, Eagles-Rams, uh, more Phillies news, uh, and we'll just we'll just have a great time doing it. So um, we'll see you next, next Monday. If you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the Whip Around for all the week's weird news. Uh, so until next Monday, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.